Welcome to Bethel Brandon Sunday Message. Please head over to our website, BethelBrandon.ca, to figure out how we can best serve you. Welcome to church, everybody. Um, I'm super excited to be here. Um, obviously, I'm not Pastor Mike. I think we, we've, we've established that, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not him. Uh, he's, you know... And uh, it's funny, they only usually ever let me up here on stage when Pastor Mike isn't around. So I'm starting to think either it's like he just doesn't want to listen to me preach, maybe he doesn't like me or something. I, I, I have no idea. Um, but a good friend of mine, one of our youth leaders, shout out Michael Goal, he kind of had this saying, he, you know, I had to miss a youth night, uh, uh, you know, months ago for something. And uh, he was joking around with me, and he was all like, well, Pastor Logan, he's like, when the cat's away, that's when the mice get to play. So uh, I, guess, I guess, you know, that's kind of the same thing that we have um, going on here. Um, truthfully, I love every chance I get to speak, whether it's, you know, to, to our youth, to whoever, because it allows God to use me in a unique way. Uh, and I think that that's really exciting, especially going into the new year, um, allowing God to, to put something on my heart to share with you all. See, normally around this time, I think, you know, and Pastor Glenn's alluded to it, and I think it would be really easy for me to come up here and preach a message on New Year's, right? It would be super easy for me to do a message on perseverance or dedication or just renewal, right? Because it's New Year's. We set New Year's resolutions, right? Maybe your New Year's resolution this year is to read your Bible four times a day and is to only eat green things, and you're going to work out six times a week, and you're never going to buy, you know, coffee. You're always going to make it at home, or, you know, you're going to do this, that, and the other, and great. All New Year's resolutions are great. You should, you should definitely improve yourself. My one thing is just set an obtainable goal. Don't set something so out of reach because the second, you know, you're just going to get discouraged, and you're not going to follow through with it. Um, but we're not going to be talking about that today. Um, because I'm young and silly, and uh, I like to make things harder for myself. And so, of course, I had to, you know, pick a different topic than the easiest one um, for that. But truthfully, God's laid a challenge on my heart for us today. And I don't think that it's just for today. I think it's, it's for all of Bethel for the new year. I think that this is something that he's really going to challenge us as a church with. And, and so today's, you know, little sermon might be a little different than other ones. It's not that we're not going to read the Bible or we're not going to, you know, do any of the traditional sermon stuff. It's just, it's not an informational one. It's not necessarily so much educational. You know, and maybe, it's, maybe I got inspired because I've been watching a ton of football, right? Because it's football season uh, and I've been watching like documentaries and, and all these things. And I've just been really inspired by coaches, and this idea that, like, these coaches, most coaches, some of the most famous coaches in the NFL never actually played in the NFL, but they're still able to passionately, uh, like, fire up their players. And I was like, that's what I want to do, right? I was like, I want to light a fire in our hearts. I want to, you know, you know, give us a zeal, a passion. I want today to be a catalyst for, you know, a movement that happens or, you know, something that will change in our lives so that we can, you know, experience God more in the city of Brandon and in ourselves. And so, you know, God has really challenged me and I'm super excited because there's nothing more exciting than talking about taxes. 
So I hope you brought your calculators and, you know, all your tax stuff, because that's what we're talking about today. We're going to be going through what the Bible says about taxes and how we, you know, respond to all of that. And so I figured I'm not a professional in this uh, and it make my life easier. So I was like, you know, what? I'm going to get our finance committee to come up and they're going to do a lesson in taxes and all of that. And because uh, let's be real, okay? I would be the first one to fall asleep if we were, you know, if I had to try to talk about taxes. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Obviously, we're not talking about taxes. I was hoping to get a bigger reaction from everybody, if I'm being honest. <laughs> um, jokes aside, some of you are probably like, okay, Pastor Logan, you're funny, but like, let's get to the meat of what we're going to talk about. So I actually have, I have a question. How do people know you are a Christian. Shorten it. Do people know you're a Christian? What do you do in your life to stand out? Do you do anything different? I want to start today with a story. Uh, this is from a, it's from like a, a pastor blog that I like to read and um, it's from this, uh, she's like from a bigger, like more traditional, like uh, mainline church, but uh, it's from a Reverend Kimberly Jackson, and she tells this story, um, and it goes like this. She says, a student of mine called me late one evening after a worship service, and he was so excited on the phone. He was talking a mile a minute, and I couldn't understand him, and I actually had to ask him to like, whoa, take a deep breath and slow down. And he starts saying, Pastor Kim, Pastor Kim, the strangest thing happened to me today. You know, after our worship service, I was taking the train, you know, back home to my apartment. And, um, you know, this woman, she sat down next to me. And she kind of looked a little sad, whatever. You know, maybe had a rough day. Uh, I didn't, you know, the student didn't think much of it. And, uh, you know, the student was like, well, I had my headphones in. I wasn't trying to pay a bunch of attention to her. But this older, kind of sad-looking woman, you know, taps the student on the shoulder, and he's politely takes his headphones out, and, you know, he, uh, he, starts, he starts talking to her, and she says, you know, son, you know, you smell like church. And uh, she says it twice. She actually, like, makes this remark twice. She says, like, no, like, you really smell like church. Now, the Apostle Paul tells us, you know, in one of his letters to the Corinthians, that those who know Christ have a particular smell. When we come to know God, come to trust and believe in the power of God's love, there's, there's an aroma, there's a difference to us, there's a fragrance, there's something that lingers in the room even after we leave. So to borrow words from this woman on the train, when we encounter God, we begin to smell like church, like this student. Or, to take more words from Paul, we smell like Christ. That evening on the phone with, this, with my student, I asked him what happened next, and, and he says, well, she started crying on my shoulder, and uh, you know, she looked up at me with joy-filled eyes and said, thank you, I, I haven't been to church in a long time. So, if you're a big note taker, if you, you know, like fancy titles and, and whatnot, you can title this one, 
Do you smell? <laughs> Today, I want to reignite what it means to be a Christian. Are we going to smell different, look different, act different? Because to be a Christian, in my eyes at least, means that we are to stand out above the rest. That we are to, like Paul says, and like our story tells us, that we are so different that people notice. So, the first step in any of this is establishing what does the word Christian mean, right? Because we want to be Christians who smell. And I just want to clarify, okay, I'm not saying that we need to go out and physically smell differently. I'm not saying we need to go not take a shower or wear so much cologne and perfume that you smell different. That's, that's not what I'm saying here. It's just the heart and idea of behind what Paul is talking about and what the story is talking about is that we live our lives in such a way that we are so different that people notice. That's what this is about. That's what being a Christian is. And of course, I like to define it. I want to know what does the word Christian mean, right? If you've ever listened to the Forgiven podcast, you know that when Pastor Mike and I do a very specific topic, he and I like to define it because everybody listening is on the same understanding, right? Because if we asked 100 different people what it means to be a Christian, we'll probably get 100 different answers. Um, and so we're going to look at the dictionary. And specifically, the Cambridge Dictionary, that's just my favorite dictionary, and I was kind of thinking about this. If you had asked 16-year-old Logan, what's your favorite dictionary? I would have looked at you dead in the eye and said, what's a dictionary? But I guess times change. Um, but so Christian, it, um, you know, can be used in many different ways, right? And so the definition when used as an adjective, okay, right? So a little grammar lesson for all of us, okay? An adjective is a descriptive word. And so it says, as or belonging to the religion based on the teachings of Jesus. So we would say, Pastor Logan is a Christian, right? I was described in that sentence as being a Christian, which we could also then say, Pastor Logan belongs to the religion based on the teachings of Jesus Christ. So that's how we use it as an adjective. It's important that we understand the differences. But Christian is also a noun, okay? You know, a noun is a person, place, or thing. And when it's used as a noun, uh, it says a person who exemplifies in their life the teachings of Christ. So now that we've established what the word Christian means, now we have to figure out, okay, we know what it means. We need to stand out. We need to live our lives in such a way that we exemplify Christ. And we need to do that so much, in fact, that we smell, look, and act differently. Both of these definitions are great. But this is what the world has defined being a Christian as. And I'll say this. I think they got it pretty close. But of course, we need to look at the Bible. Because the Bible is the roadmap for what being a Christian is. It's the, it's the cheat code. 
It's, 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 you know, some of you might not know this, but like, you know, back 20 years ago, they used to have a guidebook and it came with like your video game and it was like 300 pages and it gave you all the little secret codes where all the secret stuff was and it made you like so much better at the game. That's kind of like how I like to think of the Bible sometimes. It's that. It's, it tells us how to live this good life. But the Bible has so much to say about this. And so we're only going to look at a couple examples of what it means to be a Christian, about how we live our lives to reflect Jesus around us. Now, as we head into the, what I'm going to call the meat of the sermon, right, um, I just want to say that the points that I am making today are by no means an exhaustive list of what it means to be a Christian. This is just a starting point, okay? Like I said, this is a catalyst. The catalyst is something that sparks a chain reaction, this is what this message is meant to be. It's meant to spark a chain reaction in us, in our church, in your life, so that we start to live, act, and smell differently. So, being a Christian means we are to stand out to the world so much so that people are drawn to us. Right? We should be drawn, or sorry, people should be drawn to us, much like how people are drawn to a lamp in the darkness, or how people are drawn to a city lit high up on a hill. Now, the astute among you might know the scripture that I'm referencing when I'm talking about that, uh, and if you don't, that's fine. It's going to be on the screen, and so we are going to read Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. It says, we are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed high on a stand where everyone can see it. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see, so that everyone will praise the Heavenly Father. So when I kind of look at Scripture and stuff, sometimes that I, like, I like to contextualize it, right? I like to put it in something that I have experienced or something that, you know, is easy for me um, to relate to. And so when I was a kid, I was like absolutely petrified of the dark. Like, so much so that, like, I just, I couldn't sleep if there was not, like, a light source of any kind, right? And so, like, for the longest time, I had, like, a nightlight. And I think part of the reason why a nightlight was, like, so important and impactful to me was because it gave me a sense of comfort. Gave me a safe feeling. And not that I was ever in any danger or anything. It's just that, you know, in the darkness, you, your mind starts racing. You start to think that anything can happen. But the second, the second the light came on or the light is there, those things are removed. That fear is gone. I was drawn to the light, so to speak, because of that good feelings, those emotions that it elicited in me. And sometimes... I like to, I don't like to think about this, but it's just the reality of the world we live in. 
there are so many people that live a life in darkness, right? They live their life controlled by that fear or controlled by shame and guilt and living a life that has alienated them from God. But much like this verse tells us, we are to be a light in the darkness. We are to be a lamp that people are drawn to. And we do this by living a God-honoring Christian life. And what happens is when we live our life according to the Bible, according to what God says, God actually then uses us as a reflection of his will and what he does in the world. And then we shine. When, when we do good things, when we allow God to work in our life, that radiates off of us and people are drawn to us. Um, I, didn't, I, I put this in parentheses kind of in my preparation and I didn't know if I was going to tell the story or not, but I think I'm going to. Um, when I was a teenager, I went to youth group and all that and it was awesome. And uh, I, I played football, right? I love football. We've established that. And... Um, you know, I went to youth group, and most of my team knew that I, like, went to youth group and that I was this Christian, and, you know, I didn't really party, I didn't drink, I didn't, like, go out and do that kind of stuff, right? And so that often led to a lot of good conversation, right, of, like, oh, like, why don't you do that? And, you know, and in and, and a lot of good ways, it was good. Now, also, that meant I got, I got made fun of quite a bit for it. Now, most of it was done in love, um, but this one time, I got two little stories that relate to this. So this one time, we had this youth retreat that I was going to go to. And uh, it left, obviously, on a Friday. And football games were on Friday. And I wasn't a starter. I was only in grade 11. So I, I only played, like, I don't know, a couple quarters. Like, I, did, I, did, I wasn't a starter, right? And so in my mind, I'm thinking, well, it's our last game of the season. I'm not a starter. I don't really need to be here. Like, I'd much rather go to my youth retreat. And uh, so I kind of go to tell the guys, I'm like, hey, like, have fun, like, play hearts out, like, uh, I'm not going to be here for the last game or whatever. And uh, they just instantly jump on me and are like, why aren't you going to be here, but, you know, and they just start going at it. And I kind of explain, I was like, well, I'm not a starter, I don't do this, like, you guys don't really need me here, like, it's all good, like, you guys, you know, I kind of was like, you guys would probably be better off without me here anyway, like, you know, like, go and have fun, like, play your hearts out, and and I explained to them why I was going to, you know, to leave. And a bunch of them were, like, just getting after me and all that. And, but what happened was is because they knew that I lived my life differently, two brothers, an older and a younger brother, who, like, I got pretty close with and hung out with a lot, they, like, stood up. And these guys aren't Christians, but they stood up and instantly started defending me. They were all like, get off his case, like, you know, like, leave him alone, like, you're gonna have to deal with us. Like, he's going and doing something that's, like, really, really important to him, and, and, and all these things, and all the guys are like, okay, we're sorry. And uh, I tell this story to say, because I lived my life differently, because I was a Christian in a dark environment, those guys were drawn to me. They saw the way that God was working in my life, and maybe, maybe they didn't become a Christian. Maybe they didn't, you know, change their whole life around. 
but they were still drawn enough to me and saw the good things that God was doing that they were willing to defend that. So I think that that's really important, right? Because that's the kind of thing that can happen when we live the life that is honoring to God, when we shine like a light in the darkness. So the question is, is do you live your life like that? Ask again, do people know you're a Christian? Let's look at another example of this Christian living in the Bible. So Ephesians 4, um, 20 to 24 says this. But isn't that what you learned about Christ already? Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, you need to throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. This is such a, such a powerful piece of scripture. All of Ephesians 4 is so amazing, and I don't have time to go through it all today because there's just so many things that Paul is talking about. Um, so I highly recommend you go and read that one after because uh, it's great. Uh, and something to note here, too, is um, what happens before this, right? Because I kind of chose an odd place to start, um, but I didn't want to focus too, too much on what Paul was talking about before because it's not completely relevant. He's talking to a very specific set of people. Um, and so Paul in Ephesians is writing to the church in Ephesus, and um, they were struggling with a lot you know, of sin and a lot of sexual immorality and a lot of deception. Uh, and so that's why those specific sins are mentioned here. That's why Paul was like very clearly says, you know, your old life that is full of lust and deception um, just wanted to clear that up. Um, and so this small section of scripture though, that we're looking at is so powerful. Uh, and it's also really straightforward at the same time. It can be one of those things where if you're like me, and when I started digging into this, I have a three-page document on my computer of just notes from Ephesians 4 that I will use at some point Someday, but that's how like deep this scripture is. But like I said, it is straightforward. We live this good, honoring Christian life, right? We live that renewed life. And then, right? So if we live this new, renewed, God-honoring Christian life that Paul is talking about, then that leads back to what we were talking about before with Matthew 5, because then when you live that new, renewed Christian life, God works in your life, people see that, and then they're drawn to you. So we're kind of working in reverse order, right? The goal is to be a light in the darkness, is to be a city on a hill that people are drawn to. Now we have to ask ourselves, how do we get there? How do you do that, right? So many of us are probably sitting here, okay, look, Pastor Logan, that's great. I want to do that. Tell me how. So Paul is talking about um, two different things here, two sides of the same coin, so to speak. We have the renewing of our minds over here, the good part, 
And then over here, we got that old sinful nature. See, that old sinful nature is a life that is full of corruption and sin, right? That old sinful life that, that Paul is talking about is allowing the world to control you and dictate the matters of your heart and not the other way around. See, what happens is when you live in this part of the, of the dichotomy of the spectrum, whatever you want to call it, when you live, on the old, when you live in your old nature, you become self-centered and that alienates you from God, right? The more that we start focusing on ourselves, the further and further away we get from God. And it's in this self-centered nature that we get caught in a self-pleasuring downward spiral. And it's in this self-pleasuring downward spiral that we get all the sins that enter our life, whether it's like lust and greed and you know, envy and, and all these different things because you become so self-absorbed and so focused on making yourself better that you're going to do anything and everything to do that, right? And then what compiles onto that is then our minds aren't renewed anymore and our mind isn't focused on what God wants for us and is focused on what the world wants. And so then we start letting culture ultimately dictate what we believe is true. We start letting, you know, mass media. We start letting movies, TV shows, music, you know, certain public figures and whatnot, right? When you become caught in that self-pleasuring downwards file of the old life, you don't know what is truth because you just start believing anything and everything to make sure that you look after yourself. And that is such a dangerous, dangerous, super slippery slope to live on because the more you start to let the world dictate who you are, the further and further away we become from God. And there's nothing in this world that we can do that will ever completely separate us from God. It's just that that's not what he wants for us. So that's that sinful nature that Paul is talking about, right? When he says, drop off that old sinful nature, get rid of it, right? And you get rid of it by the renewing. He says thoughts and attitudes. Your thoughts and attitudes is your mind, right? And there are so many other connections to that specific phrase in Scripture. Again, I don't have enough time to go through them all. But what he's saying is that when you renew your mind, when you stop finally letting the world dictate who you are, and what you need to be doing, and what it means to be a Christian, and you start listening to the truth of who God says you are, and what God has laid out for you, then your, your mind is renewed. And this isn't something that happens once. It's an everyday battle. It's something that we need struggle with every single day to renew our mind, to focus on what is important, which is God. Because when you do that, when you start renewing your mind, that becomes the spark. It's the spark that lights a Christian fire in our heart, so to speak. It's the catalyst. It's the thing that, that sparks the chain reaction because then what happens? We already know the end of the thing. We already know the end of the story. The end of the story is to be a light in the darkness. That's what it means to be a Christian. We are to live our lives so differently that we look, smell, act, sound different. That's the new life. 
That's what he's talking about. So step one, stop living the old life. Get rid of it. And we do that by first accepting Jesus as your Lord of your life. That is, all, that is always the first step. Second step's a little harder. That's the everyday continual battle to renew your mind each and every day. See, to be a light, to be a Christian that people are drawn to, we need to shed off the old life and start letting God shine through us to those around us. To be a Christian is to live a life that exemplifies Christ so much that we smell, act, look, and sound different. That's what Paul is talking about. That's renewing of your mind. We need to stop letting the world dictate truth. And we need to step up and voice what it means to be a Christian. Again, I ask, do people know that you're a Christian? Do you ever talk about it at work? Does your extended family know? Have you ever brought it up? Is there any, are you doing anything in your life to stand out? to allow people to be drawn to you? Or are you a lamp that's covered up and hidden by a basket? We need to stop letting the world dictate what it means to be a Christian. The reality is, is that we should be so passionate, so excited and on fire and filled with a spark and a, and, and a zeal and a passion in our hearts that, that we should be standing up to those around us, that we should be, we should be telling everybody that we know and that we love, they're like, hey, like, have you ever heard of this Jesus person? Or like, hey, like, you want to come to church with me? Or, you know, maybe you don't even have to go that far and you're not ready for that yet, but maybe you just need to start living your life differently so that people notice so maybe that means you stop swearing. Maybe you start volunteering somewhere. Maybe you start coming to church every Sunday. I don't know what you need to do in your life to stand out differently, but we all need to be doing something. Because we cannot, we cannot be hiding away. We can't be a, a lamp under a basket. You know, we're not the city underneath the hill that nobody sees. Right? Our call as Christians is to shine bright for everybody to see. That's what it means to be a Christian. Think of the student in that story. It doesn't tell us that he preached the gospel to her. It doesn't tell us that he did anything. He just lived his life in such a way that it was different. He went, to a, he went to a worship service and he prayed and then on his way home. But because he was honest and lived his life in such a way, people noticed. They were drawn to him. And he was able to have an amazing moment with this, with this person on this train. Why can't we have that? What are we doing as a church to stand out?
Being a Christian is living our lives so on fire for Jesus that people notice. So as we get ready to kind of leave, you know, this place and, you know, kind of wrap up, um, I ask, how will you live your life that people are drawn to you? Are you ready to shed off your old life and start living with a renewed mind? As we leave this place, let's remember that. Let's choose to renew our minds each and every day to love God, to allow him to use us to those around us, to radiate, right? To, to be on fire that people are drawn to us. And you know the amazing thing? Some of you are probably sitting here wondering, okay, what do I do when people are drawn to me? How do I talk to them? What do I say? What, like, what do I do? Here's the great thing. God's going to tell you what to do. Right? And the other most amazing thing about this, the gospel, the Bible stands on its own. There's nothing that we have to do to prove its importance. There's nothing that we have to do to sell it. Right? It's not like we have to you know, have a marketing degree and start explaining the benefits of, of Christianity. No, it sells itself. We don't have to do that. We just have to be ready and willing. You know, our, kind of one of our things at Bethel is be a church in the community for the community. That's like what we stand for. So let's go and do that. Like, let's go and live our lives so differently and so on fire and, and, and so radiate God that the city of Brandon notices that our chairs are packed full of people who are drawn to us because of the way we live our lives. So as I wrap up, um, you know, if Pastor Lynn wants to make his way and, and whatnot, um, I want to quickly review the kind of three things that I went over. So we've established what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian is to be like what it says in Matthew 5, to be a light to the world, to all those around us. Right? That's the end goal. Step one. Establish a relationship with Jesus. And um, we're going to get to that. Step two, renew our minds. Once we've accepted Christ, that's not the end of the story. That's just the beginning. We renew our minds by shedding off the old life and establishing each and every day who God wants us to be and how he wants to use us. That's, that's what we're called to do. And so what I want to do is I want everybody to close your eyes. Please, like actually everybody close your eyes. I want this moment just to be between you and God. So it's great that, that we can come to church and that we can... You know, we, we can hear the songs and we can, you know, do all those amazing things. All that stuff is great. 
but it means nothing if you haven't done step one. So with every eye closed, we're going to pray. And I want you to just softly repeat this prayer to, back to me, just softly to yourself. Don't have to, doesn't have to be loud, but I want everybody to do it, whether it applies to you or not. Because maybe we're sitting here today and you're like, okay, you know what, Pastor Logan? I'm ready for step one. I need to establish a relationship with Jesus. If that's you today, if you're here today and you want to live a life that's different and live a life that's honoring to God to throw off that old sinful nature, raise your hand. There's nobody here. Nobody here. Just you and God. If you want to establish that relationship, if you want to do that, raise your hand. And I want everybody to pray this with me. Just repeat it softly to yourself. Dear Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for shedding off my old life. I accept you as Lord. Thank you for changing my life. Fill me with a passion to be a light to those around me. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please head over to BethelBrandon.ca to listen to our older messages or maybe connect with us and figure out how we can best serve you. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.